Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is Abe Metz. I'm here with B Pimp. B Pimp, what is up with you? I'm here, ready to talk the second half of our 80s extravaganza action movies. That's right. If you are coming to this halfway through and you're wondering, what are we talking about? 80s extravaganza? In our last episode, we talked about our top five favorite 80s comedy movies. Uh, so you got to go back and listen to that. Our number ones. Actually, no, I don't even want to ruin it. Go back, listen to the episode. What we're going to talk about for this episode are our top five 80s action movies. So there are lots of good 80s action movies, too. This list was actually a little bit harder for me to put together than the comedies were. To you, B-Pimp, what makes the quintessential 80s action movie? I think that there are certain action movie stars from the 80s that I tend to like. Mm-hmm. And some of their movies may qualify as garbage if you look at them objectively, but I just enjoy the film. So there's a lot of that creeping into my list, but also um, I do like kind of over-the-top plots and just like ridiculousness a lot so it lends itself to me liking 80s action movies i think that is totally fair when you said over the top plots i realized i left off a franchise from my 80s action movies completely and i know we've talked about it on past episodes and in fact i think our very first official episode we talked about bond movies I can't even remember what we were ranking. We might have just been ranking our favorite Bond movies. Yeah. And so it just struck me what Bond movies were in the 80s because it was a weird time for Bond movies. There were, uh, at the end of the 80s, there were the the Timothy Dalton movies, which I actually think are pretty good. Hey, I do too. Yeah, you got License to Kill, and that's the one I think in 89. That's the second. And then the first one, why is that name escaping me? It's on my honorable mentions list and it's called the living daylights. Oh, that's right. Living daylights. That is a good one. I think I might actually put that on my honorable mentions list right now too. I did it like partial. I'm glad to hear you say that you like him because I also like his movies. And I think he gets like crapped on a lot for no reason. They're both movies are pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think I prefer the living daylights because it's actually, a, I think it's a truer Bond movie and it's, it's a little bit slower paced. And I think um, License to Kill maybe hits too many 80s movie tropes. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, I think, think it's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have the end of the Roger Moore era. Right. So I know the 80s for sure has got to have a view to a kill. Yep. Which is set here in San Francisco. Uh, it's also got Octopussy. Mm-hmm. And I think it also has For Your Eyes Only. Yeah, and then I think, is it Never Say Never Again? That's the unlicensed. Oh, right. That would have been in the 80s too. Yeah. So out of those, I was trying to think if I would put any of those on my list. I actually, I think I like all of them. Like maybe For Your Eyes Only is technically the best out of those movies, but A View to a Kill is like the nuttiest. And I'm yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like with Grace Jones and Christopher Walken, like you cannot go wrong. Yeah, it was pretty inspired casting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like just occurred to me, all those movies. I'm glad you had one on your honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't. I didn't end up. I won't. I'll spoil it. I didn't end up putting a Bond in here, but I do, I considered them. But I think that there's other eras where Bonds would make my list potentially. But just for some for the '80s, it's too chock full of goodness. Couldn't get there. All right, fair enough. Uh, before we get to those '80s action movies, though, uh, Ryan, you have of course a whiskey to test out. Yeah, I didn't plan what this. For this app? I I actually didn't plan this intentionally, but I just realized sort of like a pseudo action. Western guy John Wayne. Whoa! I accidentally bought John Wayne's whiskey. It's called the Duke. I um, did not know he had a whiskey. I didn't either. I just saw the bottle. It was on sale, and I was like, "Okay, that looks interesting." It's a bourbon. Um, his signature is right in the middle of the front, so I just missed it. I but, love it. We are doing celebrity whiskeys lately. Yeah, kind of in the '80s theme, we're doing. Even though like neither of our celebrities is from the '80s, right? But I, I was curious enough to like, it's a bourbon. I was like, okay, it's good branding. It's a nice tall bottle. You know, it looks interesting. But apparently he, John Wayne loved bourbon and he wanted to make bourbon. So they make it out of Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, Lisa said that she thinks it'll be bad because it's John Wayne's whiskey. I said, hmm, I'm going to try it out. I don't know. I'm not going to judge it based on that. No, I think if it was like Ditka whiskey, you could safely say like, this will be bad. Yeah. But John Wayne, I, you know, it might be bad. Maybe it won't be so bad. Who knows? The bottle is glass. That's a start. That's a start. It's 44%. So 88 proof. It's got like a thing at the bottom that says hand selected barrel aged a minimum of five years in the great state of Kentucky bottled in 2018. And the original recipe was made in 1962 Ooh, all right i'm, I'm curious how are you gonna be drinking it it's, bottle? i got yeah bottle pulls um <laughs> what if that's how we started testing these that'd be that would turn into a different type, type of podcast yeah but I, I just doing it neat back in the i cleaned out the woodford reserve glass a little bit so i'm gonna it's uh not gonna be tainted by anything else nope so it's a bourbon it's a straight bourbon they're saying the smell is a little unimpressive kind of kind of characteristic of a bourbon smell but it has like a like artificial tinge to it that i can't place i'm not sure what that is let's see how it tastes Hmm. that's that makes me nervous if the smell has an artificial tinge to it but i've definitely had whiskeys that smelled not amazing and tasted pretty good so i don't know yeah i'm tasting it I'm really trying to suss out what I think about this. Mm-hmm. Are you starting to think maybe Lisa was right? Um, I think I need to do. I did like a full sip and a baby sip. I think I need to do like a two and a half sip. Okay. You know, Lisa was right. I say that a lot, but it's not the worst thing I've had. It's not terrible. But it's just, there's like a flatness to it. And it it is similar to that smell that was like artificial. There's something about, it doesn't have a depth of the flavor and like a lot of body. It's just kind of, it hits you with like, okay, that tastes like bourbon. And then it just dies and there's no, nothing lasts. And it, and it, I don't know. I have to give it the boot. All right. Uh, Sorry, John Wayne. Yeah. The Duke's getting the boot. Duke is getting the boot. It's a cowboy boot. Well, 
No, credit to you for giving a boot, really like thinking about it and just, that does happen with like some of our whiskeys. They just, it's hard to describe it. They, they just like have like that flat taste. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it, it could go multiple directions when you first sip it. It's like, it could be a little spicy. It could be smooth. It could be warm, but instead it just kind of lives in the middle and doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I know you, you especially don't like that. No. You, you pick a side. Pick a side. Yeah. Yeah. If it's sorry, if it's like a three sided fence to go spicy, warm or smooth, you're like, come on. Yeah. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And he, John Wayne, sorry, sorry, Pilgrim. That's my John Wayne impression. (laughs) And spot on. Yeah. Brian, you missed it. John Wayne was just on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Him and Robert Stack. But yeah, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do it. And I have to emphasize, it's not the worst. I mean, I'll say I paid $30 for this bottle. So Mm -hmm. at that price, I've had worse things, but it just can't, I can't give it the smooth train. I'm sorry. No. You know what? I don't think you have to apologize for it. It's... We have to tell our listeners if something is not smooth. Yeah, this this would not get the smooth sticker. So, yeah, interesting. I, uh, both our celebrity whiskeys we've given the boot to lately. I mean, if the folks at home are curious, fine, try it. But just know that we have said it's not on the smooth train. I did not know John was, uh, John Wayne has a whiskey, though, so I'm kind of curious. I know. I was, I was very intrigued by it once I realized. So what if... You send me the Allagash white cans. I send you back four-fifths of a bottle of proper 12. And then you send me the rest of this bottle. Yeah, that'll be the start of our, like, two-person fan club of trading booze. I like it. All right, we got to get to our 1980s action movies. There are a lot of good ones. I didn't have as many on the honorable mentions as I thought I would. Um and there are some that I've just flat out missed and I need to go back and watch uh, some of these movies. I'll start with one that I have not seen. So it's not on my list. I've seen parts of it, I think on TV, but I've never fully seen die hard. Yeah. I'm not shocked by that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big franchise obviously now, especially with all the sequels they've had, but I could see that like just not being like not making it in on the radar over the years. What's funny is I've seen Live Free or Die Hard, which is like got like Justin Long in it, <laughs> which is hilarious. And I think that movie is actually like pretty good. Okay. So I, I should see the original. I just, I, I never have. Yeah. I don't know why. I know there's always the argument like, is it an action movie or is it a Christmas movie? That is an argument. Yeah. It's a silly argument, but it's an argument. It's a ridiculous argument. Uh, All right, let's get into it. These are our top five action movies from the 1980s. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. B-Pimp, what is your number five? Die Hard. Whoa, okay. From 1988. Does this count as a double dip? No, not really. It's a, it's like a it's like its own new species of double dip where mm-hmm. it's like the intro convo goes into the number five. But um, yeah, I hadn't seen it for a long time, and I think I just watched it maybe like within the last two or three years for the first time because I had heard so many times over the years like yeah, it's so good and like it's a classic and blah 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 blah. So I finally watched it. It's great. Like it's Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis at his finest, and the plot's good. 
there's like a German villain, of course, and mm-hmm. he does a lot of great things in that movie. Um, it's yeah, it's just a great solid action movie. It uh, I like those kind of movies. Like you know what Maggie and I watched last week, just randomly, Air Force One. Like it, which is not eighties, it's nineties, but um, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, just like a villain who is Russian-ish. Um, it's Gary Oldman. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. I was like, oh, funny. But yeah, just like a really straightforward action movie. And sometimes those are just like, just like great movies to watch and turn your brain off. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, all right, my number five. This movie... I really enjoy this movie. I haven't seen it in a little while, but I would totally watch it again. Running Man. It's like a, a straightforward movie. It's, I seem to remember it not seeming that long of a movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger, like great plot. He just goes against a bunch of like different like characters from this death TV show because all these characters are trying to like, uh, you know, kill him because he's, I don't, I don't even know what the crime he was accused of committing was. Uh, but he has to like survive this like gladiator style, like death match. And it's just like a perfect, like futuristic, like cool plot. And it just, the movie really moves. Um, and it's great. And one of the villains is a big fat opera man who sings really loud. <laughs> oh, the villains are great. In it's it. amazing. It's like Mega Man. Yeah, it is like Mega Man. Uh, no, good call. Uh, all right, what's your number four? The Terminator. Ooh, great pick. Speaking of Arnold. The n- 1984, uh, the original James Cameron directed Terminator. Um, it's a great. It's it's a great movie. It was not Arnold's first movie or anything like that, or like his break onto the scene, but just like the, it's kind of ties into what I was saying about it's a. Arnold Schwarzenegger carries it. Like if it's anybody else, it's not going to work. Sure. You know, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Gritty. I will have more to say on that one later for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number four is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I did not have any Indiana Jones on here. So I like Raiders. I haven't seen it in a while. What I don't get are the Temple of Doom sympathizers. I really dislike that movie. Like sequels are often worse than the original, but for some reason, I think those movies might have even been like back-to-back years. It is like so much bafflingly worse than Raiders. I actually don't mind the third one, whose name is like escaping me right now. Last Crusade. Yeah, Last Crusade with Sean Connery. I think that was actually still in the 80s. I think that movie is actually pretty good but Raiders is just like classic action I think it I feel like it sets the template for a lot of those kind of adventure action movies and Harrison Ford is great in it all right what do you have for number three the running man whoa I was not expecting to see this on your list I thought it was kind of a wild card on my part but no I love it and in fact I think I watched it partially because you had mentioned it I don't remember what we were talking about but you mentioned it in some podcast at some point that we did and I and I had it was on my radar because I always heard that Richard Dawkins was like is that his name the guy from Family Feud the villain that sounds right yeah Richard Dawkins right he's so like 
amazing in that movie as the villain. And I was shocked. I'm like, what? Like, why wasn't he in more movies? I thought of him as like the family feud host that creepily kissed people. Yeah. That, is that the only movie that he's in? I don't know. I, I think he was, he's originally British, I think. So he might've been in some movies earlier before he became famous here. But like, as, as far as I know here, that's the only thing I've seen him in. Huh? It actually, it reminds me of like, speaking of like one movie, like turns for actors that work out pretty well. Um, Cause we had talked about bond movies earlier and eighties bond movies specifically, but in license to kill, who is it? It's Wayne. Oh my God. What is his name? The singer. Oh, Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. Is <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is like great for the little bit that he's in it. Yeah. No, that's why I like running man so much is because first of all, the cat, the cavalcade of crazy villains that he fights is amazing. It's like boss so fights. Oh yeah. It's like, great. It's the whole movie pretty much. It's like, yeah. Perfect. It's, it's amazing. It's a really great movie. It's kind of why Metal Gear Solid was such a good game. Like Metal Gear Solid has other parts, but like it just has like a bunch of great boss battles and that's like half the game. Yeah. Um, okay, great pick. I, I was wondering if, because Running Man was one that I, it came to my mind almost first. In the yeah. First. I knew it wasn't like my favorite, but I knew it had to be on the list. I bumped it up to three purposely because I was like, I would have maybe had Terminator there, but I was like, no, Running Man's too great. Good call. All right, my number three is Batman. So I like both of the Tim Burton Batman movies, but Jack Nicholson, it's kind of funny because like so many people think of Heath Ledger's The Joker now uh, as being like the quintessential dark Joker. And though I think The Dark Knight is like a great movie, those three Batman movies to me are like almost too dark. For some reason, I think Michael Keaton, who's a weird Batman choice, but I kind of don't mind that they went with it. And Jack Nicholson, I think it strikes a tone that I wish more superhero movies movies did. Like, I, I think a lot of the Marvel movies did this pretty well, but like, it's not like pitch black. It's a little goofy and it like shoots for being entertaining. Not like overly self-serious. Yeah, like what? I feel like Christopher Nolan's Batman movies were so serious. It was, it became to the point where it was almost ridiculous, the scenes that he played Batman. Because it almost took you out of how serious the movie was. Because you're like, wait a minute, is Batman now a, a comic book hero? It seemed dumb. It, well, and I think the movie itself noticed that because I, I sense when those three movies, there was less of Batman playing Batman than in any other Batman movies. Yeah. And that might also be why he had Heath Ledger say the why so serious thing. Exactly. Because he was mocking his own movies. Mm -hmm. Like, and again, I, the dark Knight I think is good. I'm not sure Batman begins is like, okay. And I think dark Knight rises is legitimately not very good. That Well, but it did give us the Tom Hardy Bane. It did. Insanity, which is, I used to priceless. Try to really, like impersonate that. And now I'm not even sure I could do it. But it's, it's like, just it's, it's ridiculous. It's like they put Tom Hardy in like a thing underwater and they were like, we're gonna record your your voice from there. And then make it sound like a little bit Dutch. Yeah. It's like a ridiculous accent. All right, what are we on? Your number My number two, I think. Two. Okay. What do you got for two? Uh my number two is 
the classic 1988 film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme himself. <laughs> Bloodsport. Nice. I love this movie so much. I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. I was disappointed to find out that most of the movies I love of his are in the early 90s and they're not in the 80s because I would have had like four on this list if I could have. Um, like, what, what else do you like of his? Like Street Fighter? Or? Like Hard Target uh, is one that comes to mind immediately. He Like John Woo directed a couple of his in the early 90s, but Hard Target is the one where he's in Louisiana and he's like a merchant marine. And then <laughs> they're just all ways to like get him into a tournament basically. Yeah. Um, but they're great. He's so great. Like the movies are, this is not ironic. Like I love Bloodsport. I would watch it right now. If you want to watch Bloodsport, I'll watch it with you. It's so good. It's so ridiculous. They always pick the greatest like supporting actors for him. Uh, and it's always like, I like the fact that in his movies, his, his love interest is always like a really um, like capable and headstrong female lead. It's not, it's not like a ditzy actress i don't know if he had anything to do with that but i've always loved that in his movies uh so yeah blood sport great film great pick i will say i'm like jean-claude van damme movies have been a major blind spot for me i've i think i've seen blood sport and i've definitely seen street fighter that's like maybe about it oh you gotta see some of these they're on netflix like hard target is one it's from like 93 i think it's just it's just great. Lance Henriksen plays the villain. It's so good. His his movies, more than almost any other 80s to 90s action star, have like really generic titles. Yeah, they are. It's That's part of the appeal to me, though, I think. All right, good pick. My uh, number two is I'm going to a franchise here, The Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. So it's 1980. Um. I think it still stands as the best Star Wars movie. Uh, I'm not trying to say like that's not debatable. People can like whatever Star Wars movie they want, but it's a pretty perfect movie to me. I even like that they had to start the movie in a funny way because um, Mark Hamill had like some kind of face injury and they had to take that into account in the writing of that scene. Uh, when he's on, was it Hoth or something, the ice planet? But um, it's a great movie. As a surprise ending, it doesn't end well. And it's got like a lot of elements that you actually, even though you might not think of it as like a quintessential action movie, it's got like actually quite a few elements that sort of fit in. Like it's got, even though it's in the middle of a trilogy, it still has that like, he needs to learn from the master from like Yoda. And then there's some like montages in there. And then he goes to fight the villain and like loses, but uh, no, it's great. It's a great movie. I'm kind of, I have a, this is one of my blind spots is I'm not a big star Wars guy. So I have seen it for sure, but I don't have much to add. No, I, I think that's fair. I think at this point there might be more bad star Wars movies than good. I'm not sure if that's true. I'd have to like think about it. I think I've seen all of them at this point, but they're not all great. I don't think yeah. I don't understand the like the ridiculous fandom over it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a cultural institution for some reason. <laughs> all right, we're down to it. What is your number one? My number one also barely made it in the eighties, nineteen eighty nine. It's 
Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Ooh, okay. So this this is one I also have embarrassingly not seen. Oh, you have to see Roadhouse. He's a bouncer. I do have to see that. That's that's another movie that like clearly influenced part of License to Kill too. Yeah. Because there's like a weird bar fight scene that is like way out of character for Bond, but you can tell it's like from Roadhouse. Yeah, Roadhouse is so good. It's just, uh, I had the DVD and then when Blu-rays became a thing, I had to get the Blu-ray. I watch it at least once a year. I love it so much. It's just, it's. I mean, arguably it's bad, but Patrick Swayze is just at the top of his game and there's so many like, great tropes like the villain is great it's the guy who played jackie treehorn and big lebowski he's the villain in this movie um i forget his name he's really good but i I should have remembered what his name is but i can't but there's so many great quotes about like the the lore of being a bouncer and he's a he's like they present him as like the world famous bouncer he's got like a mercedes he's got like a nice car he like travels around the country and does like guest bouncing spots i'm like this is not real no but it's just so great a world famous bouncer. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, at one point in the movie, he does like a tai chi backfist and pulls a guy's throat out, and they present it seriously. Like that's like an official like move that you could do with tai chi. It's just. It's just. I'm. I'm making. I'm bringing up points that are silly, but it's such a great action movie. It's. it's I love it so much. Okay, I need to watch that then. I mean, I feel like I owe it to myself to have seen that movie. Yeah, it's you'll you'll appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, my number one, you mentioned it earlier is the Terminator. Yeah. Um, I think what I really like about this movie is it's just when you think about it in relation to Terminator 2, like Terminator 2 clearly had like a much bigger budget and it like has those really cool scenes at the time of like the liquid metal going through a fence and uh like a lot of cool stuff. Terminator clearly doesn't have the budget like that yet it's responsible for like setting up this plot which is complicated and odd but they never show too much about it like i i feel like the movie does a much better job than most action movies like setting up like an emotional connection it's genuinely especially when i first saw it scary as hell yeah that's what I was going to bring up is they do, I, I have a very vivid memory of that scene where like he comes in and you see him on like the security cam mm-hmm. with a shotgun like that. I, I still remember that. Like, like that's one of those scenes that just sticks out in your head for movies. Yeah. And then, so it like, it does those elements so well. It's futuristic without like trying to like paint too broad of a picture. It like is still a pretty like narrow story. And then, uh, I love the ending too because they they do stop motion animation um, for the like the skeleton of the Terminator. Yeah, which I also found very scary. Um, in future watchings, it's kind of funny, but it is like I'm a big stop motion animation fan. But it's like I don't know. It's great. I I just I think that movie is. Like I watched it as a kid, scared the hell out of me, didn't watch it for a while. And then like watching it again as an adult, it's much more focused than I remember it being. And I I think it's like kind of perfect and actually sort of like 
because the movie is like more intimate than you expect. It's just like, it's crazy that they made this movie in the first place almost. Yeah. And it's also interesting to me that it became, we think of it as a franchise, but I mean, it was what, seven or eight years between one and two at least. And I say, or maybe even more like 10 years. So, I mean, if you think of it, like I almost think of the original Terminator as its own thing, and then teach you onwards is like the franchise because everything you're saying is spot on. Like the Terminator has its own vibe and its own like grittiness that I appreciate. And I just really like that movie. And I do like some of the other sequels, but it's just like, it's almost like two separate things to me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it just feels so eighties too. Yeah. Soundtrack, great. Like synthy dark soundtrack. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's an excellent. Number one. All right, what are uh, some of the movies on your honorable mentions? Much like I uh, have shown my appreciation for Jean-Claude Van Damme, I also love the um, work of Chuck Norris. So I have (laughs) The Delta Force from 1986, Invasion USA from 85, and Lone Wolf McQuaid from 83 um, are three Chuck Norris movies that I think are worth a watch. Lone Wolf McQuaid especially is very interesting. Um, Predator is a great one. Arnold movie. I love Predator. I love They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper from 88. That's a really weird out there uh, action film. Living Daylights we talked about. And then The Toxic Avenger, which is another trauma movie, which I had on my last list. So I threw one in here too. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I put on RoboCop, Lethal Weapon, which I actually do like Lethal Weapon. And I watched it like less than a year ago. Um, that movie has a dark beginning. Like there's yeah. this long, there's a long scene where Mel Gibson is like about to commit suicide. Yep. Only it like, it struck me as like the difference between how a movie was produced in the eighties versus how it would be now. If there was a scene like that now, which I'm not sure they would do a scene that dark, but if they did, it would have no soundtrack in the movie, lethal weapon. And he's like, like putting a gun in his mouth. In the movie Lethal Weapon, there's this like background soundtrack that is like, it's supposed to heighten the tension, but it's like ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, So that movie, which is like, for the most part, straddles the line between being an action movie and a comedy, but starts so dark. Um, But overall, I think a pretty good movie. Uh, and The Living Daylights I had to put because you mentioned I totally forgot about Bond movies from the 80s. So, and again, like I I, I can't put on my honorable mentions or anything because I haven't seen it, but I do want to see Die Hard. And now that you've mentioned Roadhouse, I, I've got to watch that too. Oh yeah, Roadhouse. Maybe I'll throw that in one of the back and forth boxes of booze. Yes, please do. Um, all right. If you have 80s action movies that you think we forgot about, please let us know. Hit us up on our Twitter. That's at Whiskey Sessions. Or let us know on our email address. That's Whiskey Sessions Music at gmail.com. And we will read your email on a future episode. But we've got to get to your emails for this episode. So let's get to it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails. And now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp, what do we have in the old email inbox? 
Here whiskey sessions. Shopping for whiskey would be much easier if every store were forced to put either a boot or smooth train sticker on every bottle of whiskey they stock on their shelves. Agreed. Agreed. How do we get this issue resolved? Desperate indicator. Wow. Is it Decatur, Georgia, Decatur, Illinois? What are we talking about? They didn't specify, so I'm going to assume Illinois because I'm Illinois biased. Okay. I. How do we get this resolved? Do we need to like... We need a commission. We need a commission. It's obviously it needs to happen, but it's it's like it is not a negligible amount of work to be done. Somebody's got to call these stores. I think we need to print some stickers or at least find a manufacturer who will print these stickers or maybe some kind of system where you put a, like a light in the store that just shines like a, a hologram on every bottle of either the booter. That would probably be a lot of programming and computer technology, but it might be, but I mean, at the same time, if these liquor stores, if these grocery stores, whatever is selling the whiskey, you know, care about their customers having a good experience experience, then don't you think they would do that? Something like that. Yeah. They got no, stone should be unturned yeah i don't think so i mean i think our designation of what is on the smooth train and what gets the boot is so true and so pure that however you were to show it on a bottle of whiskey whether you slap a sticker on it or whatever you almost it's all you need to see you don't even need to know what the whiskey is yeah, what type of whiskey it is. If you like want a rye or you want a bourbon or you want an Irish whiskey or whatever it is, then maybe, but apart from that, you don't even need to see what brand it is. You just need to know smooth train or boot. We need to get it. We need to go in earlier before the stores. We need to go to the manufacturers and the distilleries and like get it a law passed where they're required to print this on the label. So we don't have to worry about stickers. We got to get in earlier. You're right. We got to go straight to the law. It's like, it'll be much easier if we, who, who is going to be our inside person in Congress to get something like this passed? Well, I would say somebody in Kentucky, but I feel like they may not be sympathetic to us. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. Do you think AOC could fit this into her agenda? She might not care that much. This might not be. She has a lot more important causes. Bartender. She was, yeah. Maybe she would. Okay, this is a call to AOC then. Good point. We were thinking about Kentucky. Forget Kentucky. Uh, AOC, future star of the Democratic Party and a former bartender. She should somehow push this legislation. I think it's going to be the most important thing she ever does. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing a lot, but, you know, this is going to help a lot. This will impact a lot of lives. I think it will. I mean, like... There are a lot of important things that the U.S. needs to focus on, of course, in terms of legislation, but maybe not having a bad time with whiskey should be one of them. Yeah, I think it's there's a place for that at the party. I think so, too. Uh, we need to have a multifaceted approach. Yes. Uh, you know, really making Americans happy. So making sure they don't accidentally drink a boot whiskey should be one of them. Yeah, we we can't have any accidental John Wayne sympathizers buying this whiskey. I know. And you know what? It's to say nothing against John Wayne. If you want to see some John Wayne movies, we don't put movies on the smooth train or boot. Go ahead and watch them. 
But if we're talking strictly about whiskey, sorry, John Wayne, uh, we cannot recommend it. No. It's not true grit. It's true get out of here with that crappy whiskey. Exactly. Um, okay. The great email. Um, it gives us something to think about and kind of helps us understand like what, what the next what the next focus is got to be for the whiskey sessions. We've taken over the podcast world. We've taken over the music world. Perhaps now we take over the political world. I think so. It's going to be grassroots organization. Yep. Uh, so if you want to donate to it, no, I'm just kidding. Um, if you want to send us an email, go ahead and hit us up. Whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com. We are not taking donations at this time. Uh, but if we set up some kind of grassroots organization, for sure we will. Uh, but until next time, BPM, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? Go watch Roadhouse. Yeah, apparently. Go watch Roadhouse. I'm going to have to go watch that myself. You always have good words of wisdom. This one, I need to abide by myself. You'll be so happy. I, I think I will. All right, until next time, this is Amat Sam. Peace out. And BPM, bye-bye.